praise indeed to you, O Christ. And would you inscribe your glory in our hearts. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Now, you just heard that passage from the Gospel of Mark, and you heard the word Beelzebul. So I wonder how many of you already were thinking of Freddie Mercury's song, Bohemian Rhapsody. But actually, I want to get to a different song that was written by Brian May, the guitarist from uh, Queen. And he has a song which goes a bit like this. It says, everything we do is driven by you. So I want to know what drives you, what re-energizes you, what gives, what is your source of power and energy? We're in what's called the season after Pentecost. Pentecost was this celebration of God re-energizing his people after he rescued them from slavery in Egypt by sending his law to Mount Sinai. And then in the New Testament, the New Testament people, God, were re-energized by God pouring out his Holy Spirit upon his church in that upper room in the book of Acts. And here you see that Jesus' brothers and sisters and his mother are coming to question, where, what, what drives Jesus? And then you also see that the religious leaders are questioning what drives Jesus. What is it that powers him? But see, St. Paul is telling us what drives you and I and all of us. If you look at the, at the passage, which you'll find on page 138 of your blue um, pew Bibles, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we see three things that, that drive us. There's one thing that drives us, but three ways in which they drive us. And it's the word glory. The, the, in, in Paul's epistles, it's a big word that he uses. But the book where he uses the word glory most is actually in his second letter to the Corinthian church. Glory is what drives him. Glory is what drives Jesus, not Beelzebul, not food, not even his family. What re-energizes you? You and I were made from glory, we are made to glory, and we are remade by glory. We are made from glory. I remember sitting in this interview that we had with lay assistants where we were hiring them, uh, but now that's an unpopular term, so we, we call them, I believe, this interns. Interns just sound so, mo- so much more corporate. Um, but we were looking to hire some interns, I mean some lay assistants, and one of the people on, our, on, on the interview panel said, asked the candidates, what energizes you? What do you do to re-energize? And it was, it was really interesting to see that some people said, well, I go for a long walk in the English countryside. Or others would say, well, I, I love reading a good book. And others would answer, well, I, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I just need some time alone. I need to sit in the, in the countryside. Or you saw others that were extroverts, like, it's going to pubs with my friends. Jesus, what re-energized Jesus? What re-energizes you? What re- re-energized Paul? And you see, Paul tells us, in chapter 4 of this, his second letter to the Corinthians, verse 16, he says, our outward self is wasting away. He's doing something which the, the growing popular consensus doesn't want to admit. This world is kind of falling apart. 
It's, it's not going from one state of progress in order to a higher state of progress in order. I know that's what, what we would like to believe, but all you gotta do is in, check and see how in shape you were before to how in shape you are now, or how in shape you, you will be 10 years from now. Paul is writing this because he is afflicted. He's not doing that well outside physically. That's what he's writing about in this book of, in his second letter to the Corinthians. At the end of it, he tells us how he has this thorn in his flesh and how he asks God to remove that from him. He's afflicted on the outside, but day by day he's being renewed. You see, you and I were all made for, from God's glory. We were made from glory and desire glory. Now, glory is a word that we don't really understand much, but today is D-Day. It's the, the celebration of the anniversary of D-Day. If you've ever been to Arlington, the epitaph on the monument to the unknown soldier says, here rests in honored glory an American soldier known only to God. You see, glory is what grants rest to this soldier. And no one knows who this honored soldier is. We all seek glory. The Greek word glory is weightiness, substance, which brings us to another Freddie Mercury song, nothing really matters. Substance, right? What matters? Is there anything of weight? You and I all seek weightiness. We want to know that we matter. And that is precisely what, why, why Jesus' family questions him. Why are you turning your back on your family? Why are you turning your back on your friends? And then the religious leaders that, that you would think you would, some would want to fit into their, their social status or their social class, and yet Jesus really doesn't care what his social class says. He doesn't derive his, his energy from that. But do you derive your energy from that? It's not bad to derive your energy from your social status. It's not bad to derive your energy from family. They're good things, but they're not great things. They're not God things, if you will. You're made from glory, but you're made to glory. And you see, St. Paul derives this theme home just a chapter prior, where he says that we with unveiled faces behold the glory of God, and we are transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Or it says in ever-increasing glory in some translations. In older translations, it says we're transformed from glory to glory. You're already at some state of significance, some state of of energizing, of of power. But God wants to give you more. He wants to give you more of himself. And that's what we read in verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we can say, I believe and so I spoke. We are made from glory to glory. And Paul is referencing a psalm, Psalm 116, which is actually not too different from Psalm 138, which we, uh, we heard sung here in the cathedral. This psalm is a beautiful psalm. It's, 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 what, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cry, a plead for help, but it's also a, pre, a cry of thanksgiving because God is re-energizing his people. If you saw that in verse 4, look in your bulletin, you'll see that verse 4 is about God re-energizing his people from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. That is what you and I were built for. 
But you see, St. Paul, with his, his, his obsession, if you will, with this idea of glory, it's, it's, it's this idea in, in the Old Testament uh, is the word kavod, but that also means honor. It means substance. It means worth. It means weightiness. And there's this moment on Mount Sinai where God's glory is so thick that the people of God have to avert their eyes and can't even look at Moses because God's glory is so amazing. You and I were made from glory, we were made to glory, and we are renewed and remade by glory. The outer self is wasting away, but the inner self is being renewed by day. And you may hear these words if you ever go to a funeral in the Episcopal Church. It's one of our set texts that we use. Because what is Paul trying to tell us? He's saying the end of it all is not just this idea of just the resurrection itself. The resurrection is the doorway to the re-energized life of the spirit. Not that the body is bad and, and the spirit is good. In fact, that's not at all what Paul is saying. He's not saying that the body is bad and the spirit is good. He's actually saying that the body will be renewed and that we, look look at that in verse 1 of chapter 5, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, and he's using the metaphor of tent, is destroyed, we have a palace that is from God, a house not made with hands, one that is eternal in the heavens. You were made for glory. You were made to glory. Let me illustrate it to you this way. In C.S. Lewis's passage, his, his, uh, his sermon on this passage, which he preached at the University Church of St. Mary, there on High Street, he puts it this way. He says, our Lord has called us from these light momentary afflictions to the incomparable weight of glory. He says, our desires are not too intense, actually. They're not too weak, and we get, and it's not that we get our, our desires so strong that we get distracted. In fact, our desires are so weak, and that is why we are distracted. He used the illustration of the little child who wants to splash around in the puddles when a holiday by the sea is offered. Yesterday, I decided to redo some of my sprinkler heads because I had a couple of patches of grass that were brown. And um, I took my 17-month-old daughter out to help me because she's a, she's a good, she's an aspiring plumber, if you will. Um, I'm not, I'm actually pretty rubbish at that. But I decided it's just changing a sprinkler head. That should be easy. And in the three minutes of pulling the sprinkler head off and putting a new one on, my 17-month-old daughter had managed to get her white shirt and pink shorts completely brown. Why? Because it just delighted her to splash in muddy puddles. It re-energized her. All the while, less than 18 miles away, you have New Smyrna Beach. And you and I are too happy to play in muddy puddles. We're happy to settle for, for our own little glories rather than the glory of God himself. And you see, that's what happened in the book of Samuel. The story that we read was the story of the people of Israel saying, we want a king. 
We want some sense of weightiness, of significance, of a place here in the ancient Near East. All the other surrounding countries are big and strong, and we don't feel significant. But maybe we would be significant if we had political power. And so they said, give us a king, Samuel, like all of our surrounding countries. And Samuel was chop-fallen and crestfallen. And what is it that the Lord said to them? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And that's exactly what St. Paul said in his letter to the Romans. For all have sinned and they've fallen short of the glory of God. We all have this deep desire for significance. We all have this deep desire to, to, to be re-energized. And yet we're putting our faith and trust in things that they're not bad, but they're sprinkler systems compared to a day at the beach. That's what C.S. Lewis tells us about this incomparable weight of glory. You and I were made from glory to glory, but we are remade by glory. What do I mean by that? We are remade by glory. I grew up in, in Spain, and one of my favorite things to do was to take friends that would come visiting from abroad to the medieval city of Toledo. And you can go to Toledo, and there, there's this beautiful art form that they do, which is they take, uh, they take steel, and they, they blacken it and burn it. And then they take a chisel and, and, they, and a hammer, and they start scarring, if you will, the black steel. And you think to yourself, the steel was shiny and beautiful, and now it's blackened, and now it's cut, and it doesn't look at all beautiful. But this is a technique that was brought over to Spain in the 700s by the, the Moors, and it's called Damascene. It came all the way from Damascus. And this technique, they would blacken the steel and cut it. But then they would grab small little filaments of gold and leaves of 14 karat and 18 karat and 24 karat gold. And they would take a hammer and they would hammer that, that gold into those little etches and grooves that were put in there. And, and what, what it created at the end of the whole process was a beautiful, intricate piece of black, burnished steel with this bright gold raised out of it. Paul is telling us this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. We are made from glory to glory, but we are remade by glory. There is a weight, there is a pressure of God's glory. And one of the, one of the words that, that, that we have in, in the New Testament for God's nature and, and imprint upon us is the word character. The word character is the idea that you etch through either hitting or engraving or imprinting or pressing. And God is saying that he wants to form Christ-likeness in us through the weight of his eternal glory. That's how he wants to re-energize you and I. So as we come to the Lord's table, after the service we will also offer a moment for prayer, if you would like that. Deacon Rose Sabbath will be back in the ambulatory. 
I will also be available, as well as the other clergy who will be, Dean Kidd and, and Canon Josh will be out in the Northeast. But you can simply approach us and, and, and say, I would really just love a little bit of prayer. I, I need some of that power that you talk about, that, that re-energizing, I, I feel so tired. I feel like I'm this outward self that's wasting away. But God wants to renew your inward self. And that's why I love those words that Jesus gave us in Matthew 13 that we use in right one, where we, where we invite to the table, to the Lord's table, and we use those words from Jesus himself. Come to me, all you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me for my burden. It's a heavy burden, but the heavy burden is the light. His glory is light. It's so much lighter than the heaviness of sin. Come to me, for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. Lord, we thank you that your glory transforms us from small glories to the greater glory of your very nature and character. And Lord, we pray that you would just fill us more with your Holy Spirit that we would say just as the psalmist did, I believe and therefore I speak. And Lord, we also remember our sister Susan Shannon, a beloved member of this congregation who is nearing your glory and how this light momentary affliction is nothing compared to the incomparable eternal weight of your glory. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be with their family right now as they are watching us online, that you would comfort them, Lord Jesus, you would comfort Sonia, that you would comfort Toby. Lord, we ask that you would do what only you can do, that your eternal weight of glory would rest on every single one of us in this room. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.